0: Okay guys, Pastor Tom Carter, Word Without Walls Ministry with another Jesus Rant podcast. This is episode 16, The Father of Faith. And the reason we're talking about Abraham, Abraham of course being the father of faith, the reason we're talking about Abraham today is because we did an episode a few weeks ago about the incorruptible seed, and I mentioned kind of in passing in that episode about how even though Abraham, his faith wasn't what we consider perfect or flawless, uh, he's still considered the father of faith. And I was having a great conversation with my best friend, CJ, who is probably the biggest supporter of the show and the ministry that I have. Uh, Shout out to CJ. I know you got my back, buddy. And we were talking about... uh, faith and and what it means and how it works and different things like that. And anytime I get feedback on anything that I write or rant or uh, when I used to make videos or now these podcasts, anytime I get feedback on it, I think that's awesome. So if there's a subject that somebody's interested in or would like to go further on or anything like that at all... Uh, I'm more than happy to do it because that's the whole point of word without walls ministry is to make the gospel available without any, uh, you know, obstructions or, or just to make it simple, just to make it easy, just to get rid of the walls, word without walls. So if there's something that people are into that people, excuse me, think that if there's something they think is practical or something they want to, uh, learn more about or discuss, uh, then, of course, I'm going to take it and I'm going to run with it. And I thought this would be a good opportunity to be able to really just kind of systematically lay out some of the key points of the story of Abraham and uh, really get into why he's known as the father of faith and what that means. And, of course, you know, my uh, my guerrilla gospel style of not trying to be too long-winded and just kind of uh, do a hit and run, get in, give you something to think about, and get out uh I kind of cut a lot of this out just for the sake of brevity, for the sake of time, um, and my point for tonight that I really want to uh, to hit home is that your faith grows, and the way that it grows is not by what you do. <clears throat> Excuse me. I've heard people say, and I've even said, uh, faith is like a muscle when you use it, it grows. But really, uh, the way that it works, as always with everything in, in the spiritual realm or the spiritual dimension or what, whatever you want to call it, the way that it works is your faith grows as God reveals himself to be faithful. And that's what we see in the story of Abraham. And uh, hopefully that's what we will then be able to see in our lives. Once again, I want to make this practical. I want to I want to give us something that means something in our daily lives, something that when the river meets the road we can really uh, hold on to and and really encourage us and edify us so let's start with Romans chapter 4 verse 16 and it reads so the promise is received by faith it is given as a free gift and we are certain to receive it whether or not we live according to the law of Moses if we have faith like Abraham's for Abraham is the father of all who believe, or you know, again, <coughs> excuse me, the father of faith, and uh, and the thing I find probably most interesting about this verse, especially in terms of you know traditional religion, is uh, y- you know, you still have preachers today preaching that you have to follow the Ten Commandments, you have to follow the law of Moses, you have to do this and do that, and don't do this and don't do that. They 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 preach a man-centered, performance-based religion, which is not what Jesus came to give to us. Let me say this as clearly as I can say it. The law of Moses was given to the Jewish people. If you're not Jewish, it's not for you. If you are Jewish, it's probably a good idea to come to the place where you understand what Jesus said about the cross, where he talked about fulfilling the Old Covenant and beginning the New Covenant. I'm sorry, I have a a really uh, sore throat today. I'm sorry about that. But uh, we will carry on. So uh, again, what we see is the promise is received by faith. It is given as a free gift, and we are certain to receive it, whether or not we live according to the law of Moses, if we have faith like Abraham's. For Abraham is the father of all who believe. Which, of course, begs the question of what is faith like Abraham's? And for that, we go to Hebrews chapter 11, and I'm going to jump kind of back and forth between Hebrews chapter 11 and the, the story of Abraham in, in Genesis. But uh, I want to start with Hebrews chapter 11 because it, it kind of boils it down and kind of gives you like the bullet points of it. So I want to read Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 through 12. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance he went without knowing where he was going and even when he reached the land God promised him he lived there by faith for he was a foreign for he was like a foreigner living in tents and so did isaac and jacob who inherited the same promise abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations a city designed and built by god it was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child, though she was barren and was too old. She believed that God would keep his promise. And so, a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead. A nation with so many people that, like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, there is no way to count them. So according to that passage in Hebrews chapter 11, uh, faith like Abraham's is... God called him to leave home and he went. God said do this and Abraham said yes sir and did what God told him to do. Which is very interesting when you really dig into the story of the promise uh the promised seed <clears throat> you know as we talked about a couple of weeks ago um and I think I mentioned that even then Abraham tried to take a shortcut and tried to make God's promise happen himself which we're about to to really get into and read. Uh, but that's not even mentioned, right? Like Grace rewrote Abraham's story where uh, God doesn't count our mistakes against us. He doesn't hold them against us. And I think that's important. And I was talking to, a, I was telling CJ this. I think it's very important that Abraham was presented as a man like you and me. A man, I mean, he was fearful a lot of the time, and he lied, uh, saying that his, his wife was his sister, so he would uh, be safe in, in that foreign land, and, and, uh, and again, as we mentioned, and as we're going to see, uh, he tried to, to take that shortcut in, into Hagar's tent, and he thought, uh, okay, God promised this, it's not happening, so I need to make it happen and that's not what we think of when we think about the kind of faith that that is uh you know presented to us here in hebrews chapter 11 that's more okay i gotta figure this out myself faith quote unquote then god said it i believe it he's going to do it but we're going to see again as we go through this story that even though that's where abraham's faith started that's not where abraham's faith ended And between grace rewriting your story and between maturing and growing, that's how you get from one place to the other. So let's go back to Genesis and read what it says about uh, some of these things involving Abraham or, you know, in this case, Abram, before he had his name changed, and the promise, what he did about the promise, what God did about the promise, and then, you know, even further into uh, what God told Abram, or Abraham, to do after the, the promise began to take place. So let's start with Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 through 6. Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you, and your reward will be great. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children... Eliezer of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. You have given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. Ready? This is is the punchline. And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. So again, what we saw in Hebrews 11 is that God said, go, and Abraham said, okay. And now we get to to Genesis chapter 15, and Abram at the time says, I want a son. And God says, I'll give you a son. And Abram believed him. And God counted that as righteous, counted him as righteous rather. See, your righteousness does not come from what you do. Your righteousness comes from what you believe. All your actions in life flow from your beliefs. We live from the inside out. What you believe is inside will come out, whether it's hurt, whether it's bitterness, whether it's anger, whether it's, you know... Whatever uh, whatever negative feelings or, or whatever negative beliefs you have in there, if you believe nobody likes you, you're going to live as if nobody likes you. If you have low self-esteem and you believe uh, bad things about yourself, you're going to act out those bad things about yourself. But on the flip side of that, if you believe that you are loved, you will act in love. You will always give what you've got. And again, by that I mean you will always give what you believe You've got what you believe is inside will come out because no matter what it is, it's too big to keep in. I'm sure you've you, uh, I'm sure you've had instances where you've tried to keep uh, your emotions bottled up or or whatever the case may be, and and they explode in very unhealthy ways. And that's why it's important to have healthy coping mechanisms. That's why it's important to have people you can talk to. That's why it's important to be able to let those out in a productive way, in in, in a healthy way, in a way that will. Uh, help you to to learn and grow, which again is kind of the whole point of the uh, of the episode today is to hopefully show us that learning and growing is not a bad thing. it's a good thing. Even the father of faith had some stumbles and some missteps and and his faith had to grow. So then we get to Genesis chapter 16. and again, I'm trying to cut through a lot of this just just you know for the sake of time. Uh, Genesis 16, verses 1 and 2, reads like this. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed with Sarai's proposal and you know i've actually heard this idea preached which i think is a little bit absurd but you know it is what it is i heard a preacher once uh link that story back to the garden of eden and blame everything on women in both cases oh it was eve who gave adam the in my opinion the fig from the tree of death oh it was sarai who said we need to make this happen ourselves but here's the thing. Adam didn't do anything. Adam, as the head of the household, didn't do anything to stop Eve. And Abram here seemed, uh, he seemed perfectly happy to say, you know what, I think that'll work. That's a great idea. If I'm supposed to have a kid, and I can't have one with you, I guess that means I have to find a different way to do it. Which again, is, you know, a measure of faith but perhaps not the fullness of faith that we would necessarily expect out of the father of faith. You know, we talk about, uh, I think I mentioned it earlier, uh, God said it, I believe it, he's going to do it. And that to me is quote-unquote perfect faith. And and of course, that doesn't mean that we don't do anything, because uh, not to be crude, but if Abram and Sarai didn't have relations then there probably wasn't going to be a child and I say probably because you know when when Jesus was born in the Immaculate Conception and all that you know truly and honestly God can do whatever he wants to do if he wants to make something happen he's going to make it happen sometimes it takes throwing somebody into the belly of a fish sometimes it takes again an an Immaculate Conception it takes whatever it takes and he's not worried about it because you know he can do whatever he wants but my point is you have to be willing to do what God says. When God said, go, Abraham went. When God said, you're going to have a son, I'm sure they tried to make a baby together. And then they found out that they couldn't make a baby together, uh, in, in, in the natural way, I guess you would say. So they concocted this plan to say, well, it, you know, it's God's plan. So I got to get a, I got to get a baby. I got to get a son of my own. And, uh, And then we get to Genesis chapter 17, verse 19, and it reads, But God replied, No, Sarah, your wife, will give birth to a son for you. You will name him Isaac, and I will confirm my covenant with him and his descendants as an everlasting covenant. And this, by the way, uh, was after the name change that both Sarai and Abram went through, and I, I have a... Uh, I have a podcast episode planned where I want to talk about some of the major name changes in the Bible and what they mean and why they're significant. But uh, for the most part, when you have your name, remember when, when we did an episode about new things and one of the new things was your new name or your new nature? When your name changes, everything changes. Because you are not what people call you, but you are what you answer to. So you have to know your name. You have to be willing to ignore some of the things that people say about you in order to walk in your true nature. And I think that that's important here that we see uh, the name change took place. And, and listen, if you're waiting, I believe the promise was made uh, when Abra- when Abram was about 75 years old. And then uh, by the time he was 99 years old, The promise still hadn't taken place, so that's, you know, 25 years of waiting for God to do what he said he's going to do. To us, that looks like a long time, but I guess probably to the eternal one, it it doesn't seem like like very long at all. God always does things in his timing. Uh, God always makes things happen the way he knows that they should happen, rather than the way that we think that they should happen. So then we are going to jump all the way down to... Genesis chapter 22 verses 1 and 2, and this is after God has uh, given Abraham and Sarah a child together. This is after he has given them their promised child. He's fulfilled his promises. He's gotten to the place where um, they know that he, and he alone, is capable of doing what he said he was going to do and he doesn't necessarily need our help. He doesn't need us to take a shortcut in order to get to where he knows that we need to go. So um, now we have the, uh, we have the promised child, we have Isaac, we have the seed, We have uh, God saying, this is what I wanted for you, and this is what I did for you. So, um, Genesis 22, verses 1 and 2. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied. And again, I think that's important. God called, and Abraham said yes, like, like he always seems to do. He doesn't seem to have, you know, everything figured out, but he's got that much figured out. When God calls, answer. Say yes. And there's a whole other story in the Bible about that where, uh, I, forget their, I forget their names. Uh, I'm pretty horrible with names. But a young boy is living with an older priest, I believe, and he's sleeping, and he hears someone calling him. And he goes to the priest and he says, what? What do you want? And, you know, waking, waking the priest up. And the priest says, I didn't call you. Go back to sleep. And then like the second or third time, the priest finally gets it. And he says, someone's calling you, but it's not me. It's probably God. So just answer him and say, here I am. And from then we see, uh, is that Elisha maybe? Don't call me on that. I can't remember. Uh, Like I said, I can't remember names. And I can usually get to the neighborhood of most Bible stories without necessarily knowing the address so I would have to look that one up but uh, I think it fits I think it fits into what we're trying to say here um, it, when God calls you just say yes here I am uh, sometime later God tested Abraham's faith which it, which I think is interesting because I think we talked about this last time when we talked about Abraham's faith is uh, you, your faith doesn't really mean anything unless it's tested. You know the old saying that you don't really know who a quote-unquote Christian is unless you put them in hot water. They're like tea bags; You don't know what's inside until you put it in hot water. You don't really know how you're going to respond until you have to respond. It's easy to think something, but when you believe something, that's different. That's heart knowledge instead of just head knowledge. That's experiential knowledge. That's knowing beyond, you know, that's a knowledge that passes knowledge, excuse me, as I believe the Bible says in another place. And that's the kind of knowledge that we have about God's love. And that's what, you know, I was trying to say at the beginning of this episode, is that our faith doesn't grow by us necessarily exercising it. Our faith grows by God exercising his faithfulness. It's like the idea of, you know, we say, if you're at the end of your rope, tie a knot in it, and hang on. But when it comes to spiritual things, what we have to understand, how we have to see things and change our mindset and change our view and look at things cross-eyed through the lens of the cross, we have to see that we think we're holding on to God as tight as we can, and if we let go, we're in trouble. But the truth of the matter is, is that God is holding on to us, and he will never let us go. Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I believe it was Paul who wrote about how nothing can separate us from the love of God. So when we're talking about faith, then I, I think Jesus made it really easy for us when he said, have faith in God. Because, you know, saying, saying Abraham is the father of faith begs the question of, okay, what's faith like Abraham's? When, when somebody tells you, oh, you just got to have faith, that to me begs the question of, well, have faith in what? And that was Jesus' answer, have faith in God. Which, to me, since God is love, that means have faith in love. You can believe in love. You can stand on love. You can trust love. Because love never fails. Because love endures. So, that to me is very important. Uh, We should not look at our faith being tested as a hardship or a tribulation. We should look at it as an opportunity. Because if our faith is being tested, that's God putting himself in a position to put himself on display. Um, speaking of Elisha, I believe it was Elijah who uh, who had you know the big story about all the, the the burnt offerings and all the the pagan priests and everything and uh, I always liked Elisha because he was, uh, to be blunt, he was he was kind of a jerk. He was uh, very bold and brash and uh, kind of condescending towards people who who didn't have the same faith that he did but at the same time god backed him up every time when when they were doing the uh the animal sacrifice and talking about well if if your god's real then you know call down fire from heaven and and he'll he'll accept your burnt offering and uh elijah was like okay cool get get this stuff ready and then pour water on it and get it as wet as possible because you know that would make it impossible in the natural for for it to burn as an offering and uh, you know uh again i don't have the story in front of me but the all the other pagan prophets were like like cutting themselves and and basically almost sacrificing themselves to get their god to accept the sacrifice and elijah elijah barely had to say anything he basically said uh you know if my god's real then he's going to do it and god was like yeah i'm real and he did it and to me, that's uh, a, whole, a whole different level of faith. Like, I, I really, I don't like the idea of the acronym PUSH, pray until something happens. I understand it, but I don't like it. To me, it's like, our prayers should not be like, like rubbing the genie's bottle and hoping that he'll, pop out and grant us our wishes. That to me is not what prayer is about at all. And listen, I'm not saying you shouldn't call on God when you have a need, because because you should, okay? Uh, he should be your first chance and not your last choice. Uh, I believe if we involved God more often, um, we wouldn't find ourselves in emergencies as often. I believe that uh, you know, the Bible says his word, which is Jesus, which is love, is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. So instead of wandering around in the wilderness or going around the mountain, I think a lot of times we should just let love guide our way. We should just, you know, uh, commit our ways to the Lord and watch him bring them to pass. To me, that's a more excellent way. To me, that's putting faith in him. It's trusting Him, not trying to get Him to do what we want. Because what we want isn't always the best thing. You know, I've learned many times in my life that what I want, in retrospect, what I wanted back then was not the best thing for me. And sometimes I've gotten it, and sometimes I haven't. And usually, the times that I haven't gotten it have worked out better in the long run. You know, what's that, uh, I believe it was a Garth Brooks song where he talks about um, some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. So instead of trying to pray until something happens and trying, instead of trying to make God do something for us, instead of, in a sense, trying to, uh, create God in our image and, and instead of saying, God, I want you to want what I want. We need, again, we need that shift to where we can say, God, I want what you want. When we talked about, binding and loosing. Remember? It's not about, if I bind it on earth, then God will bind it in heaven. It's about, I can only bind it on earth if it's already bound in heaven. It's not about bringing earth to heaven. It's about experiencing heaven on earth. And again, you know, that's what God promised, I believe, in the book of Deuteronomy, when he promised the days of heaven on earth. But it comes down to faith. The promise, as we saw in Romans has nothing to do with obeying the law. It has nothing to do with how you act. It has everything to do with what you believe. If you can have faith like Abraham's and God says, hey, and you say, yes, sir. And he says, do this. And you say, okay. Then that to me, that's uh, Abrahamic faith. That's the, the seed of Abraham's faith is just trusting God. Just doing what God says. If God says it, then it's the right thing to do. If you think it, it may be the right thing to do. It may not be. But what God knows supersedes what you think. So we need to start letting the mind of Christ that's already in us be in us. We need to start using the mind of Christ that we have already been given. We need to we need to understand the mind of Christ. Uh, I believe it's Jeremiah, somewhere around 20, Jeremiah 27, I think, somewhere in there. Where, where God reveals his mind to us and he says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, thoughts not of evil but of peace to give you an expected end. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows what's best for us. And if we would just trust him, I think things would go a lot easier for us. I'm not saying that we would never have any trials or tribulations because even Abraham, who is at this point, he's come to the to the place where he, he's, he's like, okay, I understand. God says he's going to do it, and he's going to do it. And I don't have to make it happen. I don't have to find a shortcut. I can just trust in him, right? His faith is starting to grow. He went from a place of kind of blind obedience to a place where now he's seen it. Now he's experienced it. Now he knows for certain that if God says something is going to happen, it's going to happen. And to me, that's a very important part of the rest of this story because uh, the promise of Isaac was to have descendants greater than the stars in the sky, right? So that's the plan for Isaac. That's the promise. God's promise wasn't, I'm going to give you a son and then take him away from you. God's promise was, I'm going to give you a son and he's going to have sons and they're going to have sons and they're going to have sons and on and on and on down the road. So when we get to Genesis 22, verses 1 and 2, we see, sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, Here I am. Take your son, your only son, which is interesting that uh, he had a son named Ishmael, but God called Isaac his only son, kind of like how Adam was God's son, but God called Jesus his only begotten son. There's a lot there. I'm going to leave it for now. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah, Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. Now, to me, at this point, I'm thinking, Okay, God, I've gone down the road with you, uh, more or less. I believed the promise, and you counted me as righteous. And then I thought, This isn't working out. I'm going to have to do a little something myself. I'm going to have to make this promise happen. And thank you, Father God, for not punishing me or disqualifying me for that. Thank you for having mercy and grace and still bringing your promise to pass. That was cool. Um, So the promise was for my son to have a bunch of sons, and now you want me to kill him. Uh, I don't get it. Which, as we're going to see back... In Hebrews chapter 11, um, what I'm thinking is not at all what Abraham was thinking. So, let's look at Hebrews 11, verses 17 through 19. It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son Isaac, even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. That to me is amazing. That to me is outstanding faith uh, of a degree that I don't think many of us can necessarily uh, understand or comprehend. Because the way I laid it out was, God, you said this child was going to have many children and now you want me to kill him. I don't get it. But what Abraham reasoned was that, okay, God said uh, my kid's going to have a bunch of kids, but now God's telling me to kill him, so I'm going to do what God said and uh, he's going to make it work out somehow. I'm not, worried about, I'm not worried about how he's going to do it. I don't have to worry about how he's going to do it. When I tried to make things happen my own, to, with with this promised child, uh, that didn't work out. And God still fulfilled his own promise. So I have no doubt that this is all going to work out. I have no doubt that what God says is going to happen is going to happen. So I don't need to worry about it. I don't need to get uh, all twisted up about it. I just need to obey God. I just need to have faith in him that... Whatever he says is going to happen is going to happen. At this point in Abraham's life, he was a believer. He had been shown in a very miraculous, impossible way that all things are possible. He was shown, again, uh, backing up in uh, Hebrews chapter 11 to to the verses we already read, um, it talks about Sarah having a child even though she was barren and too old. It talks about a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead. They couldn't have a kid by themselves. They tried and tried, and it didn't work. They were like 100 years old. And even back then, that was way past the age of childbearing. Which, well, I, I mean, I guess maybe for, for her more than for him, because he was still able to do it uh, even at 75 or, or however old he was when he, uh, when he sneaked over into Hagar's tent. But you get my point. This should not have been able to happen in the natural. It couldn't happen in the natural. Um, But they believed that God would keep his promise, and God did. So then when it came to uh, what looked like, to me at least, um, a a dead-end wall for this promise, because, listen, again, like I said, if the promise is my kid's going to have a bunch of kids, but now you're telling me I have to, to kill him, I don't get it that doesn't make sense. I don't understand. What are we doing here? What are we working with? What's the plan? But Abraham didn't ask any of those questions. God said, go offer me your only son, the son that you love, the promised child, the miracle that I gave you when you couldn't do anything about it yourself. You asked me for a son and I said you could have one and then you tried to make one, but that wasn't what I was looking for. So I did it. I fulfilled my promise. Now I want you to offer him up to me as a sacrifice. And Abraham said, okay, I'm going to do it. I don't have a problem with it. If he dies, God will bring him back to life, because then he'll be able to keep his promise, like he has every step of the way. And, you know, I that's as far as I uh, searched out for the story in Genesis, but uh, I think most of us know the story, is that when... Uh, When Abraham had the uh, offering all set up and he he raised the knife to kill his son, uh, an angel of the Lord stopped him. And what they didn't know was that when they were climbing one side of the mountain, a ram or a male lamb, Jesus, was climbing the other side of the mountain and had gotten caught in the thicket. And as always, that lamb... That male lamb, Jesus, is the only sacrifice that God has ever wanted. All the way back to, to Cain and Abel, when Cain tried to sacrifice what he could produce from the ground with his with the work of his hands, God didn't want it. But when Abel brought a lamb, God said, yep, that's what I want, that's my sacrifice. And that's, you know, of course, Jesus, the Lamb of God, who took away the sin of the world. Um, what we see is that even in this, it wasn't about killing isaac even though in hebrews it does say that uh in a sense abraham did receive his son back from the dead abraham had uh i don't want to say written him off but abraham had accepted the death of his son and uh there's a lot to be said there about the death of a firstborn son even though technically uh it was abraham and sarah's firstborn son but not abraham's firstborn son but again there's a lot to get into there and that's not my focus for today uh The point is, is that if God requires something, he will provide himself. He always has and he always will. It's always about, it's not about human sacrifice. It's not about what you can do or what you can give. It's always about Jesus. It's always about the sacrifice of the lamb. It's about obeying God and Jesus giving himself for us and to us and as us so that we can live for him, and unto him, and through him, and as him. And, and that's what faith does. And I think, obviously, I'm going to talk about faith more in in, in, in this podcast. But I think I want to do one about uh, whose faith is really important, and about the truth that the only thing my faith needs to do is connect to Jesus. Because Jesus' faith will always get the job done. So if I believe in Jesus and he conquers, that makes me more than a conqueror. But, uh, but again, I'm going to probably do that one a little bit down the line. I have a lot of ideas for this. Uh, hopefully you guys are enjoying it because I really don't have any plans on stopping it. So um, again, what I wanted to really hit today in this episode is just the growth of Abraham's faith. Just the idea that Having the faith of Abraham doesn't mean you never mess up. It doesn't mean you never stumble. It doesn't mean you never uh, question God or anything like that. You know, my name being Thomas, uh, being named after quote-unquote Doubting Thomas, uh, I've I've gotten that quite a bit, especially in the religious world and the church world. Oh, Doubting Thomas with all those questions. And I do question things. I, I question everything. And that's probably why I read the Bible so much differently than a lot of uh traditional religious folk read it but i think that's good i think uh i can really be able to see things through the lens of love through the lens of jesus through the lens of the cross in in everything that i see in the bible and i think it's important to see it that way because you know the old song jesus loves me this i know for the bible tells me so that's what you should be getting out of the bible you should be getting jesus loves me every time you read it um And the more that you understand and realize and accept and believe and know his love, the better off you are because loving and living aren't just connected. They're the same thing. To live is to love and to love is to live. You can't have one without the other and you can't do one without the other. So we need to know about God's love. We need to have faith in God, which again means have faith in love. Abraham's love for God in this sense, was stronger than his love for his son, because he was willing to give his son to God, you know, even with the expectation that if God kills him, he'll bring him back to life because he's got a plan for him, so I'm not worried about it. But to me, that is awesome faith. That's mature faith. That's faith that has come from God, proving himself faithful every step of the way. And to me, that's what it means to be a son of the father of faith, is to get to that place where we just have childlike faith or childlike trust of God. My daddy said he's going to handle it, so he's going to handle it, and I'm not worried about it. So if we can take that into our everyday lives, I think I've probably done my job for today. Uh, So thank you all, as always, for listening and the support and everything, and uh, hopefully we'll see you again next week. Okay, well, if you enjoyed that, I want to invite you to check out my website, jesusrant.com. You can get my daily rants on there. You can uh, get the my books that I've written on there. They're also on Amazon. I have an author's page on Amazon. Um, I've written a lot of books. I'm pretty proud of them. You can order them. I try to keep them cheap because I don't like to pay a lot of money for books, and I don't think people should have to pay a lot of money for mine. So check that out. Um, if you want to support the podcast itself, you can find it on anchor.fm if you just search for Jesus rant. Um, you can support it monetarily. You can support it by uh, liking it, sharing it, subscribing to it. And you can su- you can support it, excuse me, by word of mouth, by telling people about it, uh, helping other people listen, find it and listen to it. And uh, thank you once again, as always, for spending your time to listen to it, to... Uh, to help me to get the word out which you know as we know by now is is my heart is just getting this word out word without walls ministry um so just thank you for your support i love you and there's nothing you can do about it amen